Hello everybody, this is Joseph E. Farrell with News and Views from the Nefarium on Thursday, May 18th, 2023. Uh, just very quickly, the housekeeping, there is no vid chat tomorrow. There will be a vid chat, uh, the normal scheduled vid chat, a week from Friday. Cross your fingers that we get out of this weather cycle. It is, in fact, supposed to rain tonight and tomorrow, so thank goodness I didn't schedule a vid chat for tomorrow because we'd probably get rained out. So anyway, cross your fingers that we get out of this cycle of having storms and rain every weekend just as we're about ready to do the vid chat. All right, let's get down to business. Um, there are rumblings in Europe. And uh, these rumblings strike me as... The sort of ground tremors and little sonic booms that you associate sometimes prior to major earthquakes and or volcanic eruptions, okay? Uh, there are signals now from some of the minor European powers that are signaling that they've just about had it. I think, with the European Union and its act as a proxy, as a front for the American empire and American policy. Uh, there's an interesting set of articles I'll be linking for you that you can refer to that were shared by TM and WG, and I'd like to thank both of them for sharing these articles because they're from two very different countries inside of the European Union, and they're signaling their dissatisfaction with the European Union and its policy. And their dissatisfaction is at least, ostensibly, is at least for very different reasons, but I suspect lurking behind it all is the increasing awareness of Europeans that the United States just does not have any sort of rational foreign policy vis-a-vis -vis the Ukraine or Russia, and that it certainly has no intention of looking out for Europe's best interest. In fact, the current American misadministration can't even look out for America's best interest. So, here we go. The first articles from Zero Hedge and this article is titled, Sweden must prepare to leave the European Union, says the influential Sweden Democrats party leader. And I want to read a few paragraphs uh, from this article to give you the idea of, of what uh, Mr. Akerson is talking about. So here we go, quote, Jimmy Akerson of the Sweden Democrats claims that only by making the necessary preparations for Swexit in other words, a Swedish exit from the European Union, can the government maximize its bargaining power in Brussels? Now, I want to read that one again. Listen very carefully. Jimmy Ekeson of the Sweden Democrats claims that only by making the necessary preparations for Swexit can the government maximize its bargaining power in Brussels. Sweden must fully prepare to leave the European Union in order to maximize its negotiating position with the bloc, stated Jimmy Eckerson, leader of the anti-immigration Sweden Democrats Party. 
uh, you might as well call it the, the pro-Sweden <laughs> uh, Democrats party. In an article published by the Svenska Dagbladet on Monday, Ekerson and his co-author, Swedish member of parliament, or member of the European Parliament, Charlie Weimers, expressed their desire for Sweden, quote, to maximize its influence, unquote, in the European Union, outlining three measures the Swedish government must take. Listen to these. First, the government should seek to make constitutional changes in order to introduce a referendum lock which would enshrine into law the requirement of a public vote before any further powers can be transferred from Stockholm to Brussels. Now let me stop right there, folks. To me, that's a wow. That is a, a huge earthquake because what Sweden is signaling is that Membership in a federal union. I hope that the United States is listening because, of course, it's been enshrined in American law ever since the end of our Civil War that the union, thank you, Abraham Lincoln, is this sort of mystical perpetual union cemented in all eternity that once you enter it, you cannot get out of it. Or to put it very, very differently, the Union is a suicide pact. No matter how loony the federal government becomes, you cannot, uh, you cannot fight the policy of the federal government. This, of course, is sheer nonsense. And Sweden is basically saying to the European Union, no, we will retain our sovereignty if necessary by writing it into our Constitution and by including a referendum lock that every European Union law has to be subjected to a referendum of the Swedish people approving it. That is, to me, virtually saying that the European Union and Sweden are incompatible. Uh, now, secondly, and I'm quoting the article again, the Swedish government should make the necessary preparations to leave the European Union to ensure it is ready should the decision ever be taken to do so and to legitimize any threat to withdraw in future negotiations with the bloc. So in other words, they want to implement or put into place an infrastructure including, as the article points out, training of bureaucrats ahead of time that will be able to do precisely that and to negotiate any trade agreements with the European Union upon leaving it that they need to negotiate. In other words, and they're also talking in the article about studying the Brexit uh, vote and its aftermath on how to avoid the pitfalls and traps that occurred in the United Kingdom. So in other words, while the Sweden Democrats are talking the game about staying in the European Union, it sounds to me like most of the planning that they're talking about is about a serious leave. Uh, and again, the question is why, why this kind of response from Sweden? You know, Sweden is not exactly uh, a hothead country, so to speak. Um, so, to me, the fact that you have a, a leader of any major Swedish party, I don't care if the Sweden Democrats are or aren't a right-wing populist nationalist party, that any Swedish political party 
is saying these types of things is, to me, very interesting. And by the way, the Sweden Democrat Party, as this article points out, is the major, <coughs> pardon me, the major party block in the current right-wing coalition government that's governing Sweden. So, in other words, the largest party in that governing block is precisely the Sweden Democrats. So this is major news, and I suspect that there's much more to it than just dissatisfaction with the European Union. I'll get back to that in a minute. The Sweden Democrats' leader also wants an investigation to be launched into how the negative effects of Sweden's EU membership can be mitigated. Ockensen's party has long been in favor of Sweden's withdrawal from the European Union, but accepts this is not a majority view among the Swedish electorate at present. In other words, I suspect, I suggest, that what Ockensen's real goal here is, is to prepare the necessary bureaucratic and other pol uh, policy infrastructure ahead of time should the Swedish electorate ever swing to the position of getting out of the European Union. In other words, I think he's, he's prepping the ground ahead of time, and good for him because we're going to talk a little bit more about why I think this type of trend is only going to increase inside of Europe. The party officially dropped its support for Swexit in 2018 in a bid to garner more electoral support and subsequently achieved a 20.5% total of the vote in the last year's general election. And in Swedish politics, folks, it being a genuine multi-party system in that country, that's a fairly substantial uh, block of votes that the Sweden Democrats had. Now, I'm going to get back to what I mentioned previously, that Sweden, by doing this, is sending some pretty strong signals. And I suspect, at root, is the long-standing Swedish policy of neutrality. Sweden was one of the major minor powers, if I can coin that oxymoron, that managed to stay out of both of the world wars in Europe and uh, pursued during the Cold War, particularly under Prime Minister Olaf Palma, who, who incidentally was, was a dyed-in-the-wool socialist. But nevertheless, Sweden managed under the many uh, administrations and governments of Olaf Palma to pursue a course of rather strict neutrality vis-a-vis -vis the Soviet Union and the Western Bloc. And I suspect that that is rearing its head again in Swedish politics. And if so, then it's part of a very long Swedish geopolitical tradition. And it will be interesting to see if that tradition returns. Uh, I suspect that if you're, if you're the average nationalist uh, Swede looking at the policies of the European Union, you, it, it is becoming increasingly difficult to see how those policies of, of globalism on the part of the European leadership are of any benefit to Sweden, or for that matter, to the European Union itself. And more recently, those policies are increasingly subservient to the USA. After all, you've, you've got to be understanding that Sweden is just north of the Nord Stream pipeline, and when the United States basically boasts that it successfully sabotaged that pipeline 
and you look to the south and the so-called leader of, of Europe, namely Germany, uh, barely utters a, a squeak of protest in response to that action. If I were Sweden, I'd be rethinking all of this tie with the European Union as well. Uh, and I think this is what we're going to see. In other words, I'm suggesting that you're just hearing the beginning of the cracks in the foundation here with this policy decision from Sweden. But wait, there's more. This article is from RT, and it concerns Hungary's dissatisfaction with the European Union. And I want to read just a few of the opening paragraphs in this RT article. The article is titled, EU Country Issues Ultimatum for Future Aid to the Ukraine. And then the subtitle to this is very interesting. Kiev has been displaying an increasingly belligerent attitude towards Hungary, Foreign Minister Peter Szyjarto says. And for those of you who speak Hungarian, please forgive my pronunciation. I know absolutely nothing about the Hungarian language. But anyway, this is the same foreign minister, if you recall, that just a few weeks ago sent a blistering series of diplomatic notes to the American ambassador, uh, basically telling the American ambassador that, no, Hungary's not interested in knuckling under to your demands about sanctions and so on vis-a-vis -vis the Ukraine. So in other words, this is the follow-up to that message. So here we go in the RT article, quote, Budapest will not support the allocation of further European Union aid to the Ukraine unless Kiev abandons its, quote, increasingly hostile, unquote, attitude towards the country, Foreign Minister Peter Sciarto said on Wednesday. The warning comes after Hungary blocked a new 500 million euro, or about 544 million dollar, military aid package from the so-called European Peace Facility. I love it. So you have a peace facility giving hundreds of millions of dollars to a neo-Nazi regime in a foreign country to fight a war. <laughs> so tell me how that's a facility for peace. But anyway, the decision to block the eighth tranche from the 5.6 billion euro fund which finances foreign militaries, was prompted by, quote, an increasingly belligerent attitude on the part of Kiev toward its European neighbor, unquote, the top diplomat told a media briefing in Vienna. Now, <laughs> for those of you who can remember the good old days of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, the Hungarian foreign minister giving a briefing and saying this in Vienna <laughs> to me is rather interesting. But to continue, quote, it's fair to say that we've had enough, unquote, Shiarto said. The minister outlined a number of outstanding issues between Hungary and the Ukraine, including the Ukraine's decision to add OTP bank, NERT, uh, that's N-Y-R-T, Hungary's largest lender, to a shaming list of, quote, international war sponsors, unquote, because it maintained business ties with Russia. 
Quote, I want to make clear that as long as the Ukraine keeps OTP on its list of international war sponsors, we can't support decisions requiring new economic and financial sacrifice on the part of the European Union and its member states. The same goes for anti-Russia sanctions, unquote. Chiarto said, insisting that the bank, quote, did not violate any law in the Ukraine, did not violate any international law, nor did it violate any sanction measures, unquote. Other issues. Now, here, here we go. If you know anything about the history of that region of the world, there's a part of the current Ukraine that is called Cisgarpathia, all right? And Cisgarpathia basically was that very tail end of the finger that used to be Czechoslovakia in its 1939 boundaries that extended down towards uh, Romania and Hungary. That little area of what used to be Czechoslovakia in its 1939 boundaries is Cisgarpathia. That little area, after the conquest of Poland and the redrawing of the borders in Eastern Europe by Nazi Germany, was given to Hungary, and it was, in fact, a region of the Ukraine that, during the Austro-Hungarian Empire, had been basically more or less administered or governed by the Hungarian part of the empire. So, in other words, we're talking about some old, old political uh, wrangles, tangles, and, and fusses in the continent of Europe between Hungary and the Ukraine. So, no surprise here. But here's an interesting statement in the RT article. Other issues listed by the diplomat include recent reports of alleged plans by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky to blow up an oil pipeline linking Russia to Hungary through the Ukraine's territory, as well as the limiting of education rights for the ethnic Hungarian minority. That's the minority living in Cisgarpathia by Kiev. So in other words, the real problem here that Hungary is having is its energy supply, which the Ukraine is threatening to blow up. By the way, the Ukraine taking full credit for having done so to the Nord Stream pipeline. I think it's fairly clear that no, the Ukraine didn't do it, the USA did it. But regardless of who's doing it, what Hungary is really saying is no, we're not going to participate in the proxy war for the United States simply because of our membership in the EU. So in other words, in, in my reading of this situation, which may or may not be correct, I want to stress this because there's a lot of complicated historical background, particularly in the case of, of Hungary and the Ukraine, as I just mentioned. But I think what we're looking at here is the beginnings of the public display uh, of rumblings in Europe that are eventually, and I've been predicting it for many, many years, are eventually going to break Europe out of the American orbit. Now, it's going to be years for this to happen. But the fact that it's happening now and is coming from two, in, in the European scheme of things, two relatively minor powers like Sweden and Hungary is, to me, extremely interesting. It's, it's ahead of schedule from what I thought would happen. Uh, the real test is going to be, I think, 
the next country, the next major countries that might show some opposition to both Brussels and Swampington, D.C. will be Italy and Spain. I've been saying all along, watch Italy and Spain. Um, Italy, I think, is going to be very likely the, the first major European power to express some real difficulty, not only with the European Union, but with it acting as the proxy for Washington's insane policy in the Ukraine. Um, we've, we've watched Germany self-destruct. I just don't see Italy wanting to follow the same path. Uh, and from Italy, it will spread very quickly if the Italians or the Spanish uh, decide that they're going to revolt from this European sanctioned war with Russia. Um, a lot of it depends on the rising populist tide uh, of reaction inside of Europe as well. So there's a lot of things going on, but I think we're hearing, as I said at the beginning of this little talk, I think we're hearing the first rumbles from the volcano that eventually is going to blow. Uh, and I, I'm actually kind of moving up my timetable a bit. I thought that this would possibly take between 10 and 15 years. Now I'm thinking more like uh, between 5 and 10, unless a radical shift in the insanity in Swampington, D.C. happens. And I, unfortunately, folks, I just don't see that that happening in, in Swampington. So anyway, that's it for this week's news and views. Don't forget, there's no vid chat tomorrow. Uh, our next vid, vid chat is scheduled for a week from tomorrow, but remember to keep your eye on the schedule. We're still in this crazy weather cycle, and um, if, if there is a cycle looking like there's going to be more storms towards next weekend, I will make sure and post a notice for everybody to keep your eye on the vid chat schedule. That's it for today's news and views from the Nefarium. I'll see everybody on the flip side. Bye-bye and God bless.